0: Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. Well, part eight of our series, New Beginnings, and we've been looking at how God started the planet. He then started a new beginning with Noah. Today, we're going to be dealing with the new beginning in Abraham and how it points to the Christian life as a new beginning. Are you with me? And the book of Genesis is very important. In fact, the first 12 chapters are very important to the foundation of all we believe. That's why we've been studying it. A man called John C. Lennox, in a book, Seven Days That Divide the World, speaking of creation, he says the book of Genesis is foundational for the rest of the Bible. In other words, if you don't know Genesis, you won't understand fully the rest of the Bible. Its opening chapter does something of incalculable importance. It lays down the basis of a biblical worldview. It gives to us humans a meta-narrative, a big story, into which our lives can be fitted and from which they can derive meaning, purpose, and value. This chapter, chapter 1, is devoted to that big story. And so we have been studying Genesis because we believe it is the foundation for life as we know it. From the first 11 chapters, 12 chapters of Genesis, we understand many things. The origins of mankind. We did not come from monkeys or baboons or frogs. We were created by God. He created us male and female. We understand gender. We understand marriage. We understand work. We understand divine purpose. We understand sin and how sin entered the world, how God has law, and there was disobedience. Then we see how murder came in. It wasn't a political system or poverty that brought murder. Murder's in the heart of human beings. And so as we see creation unfolding, we discover something about ourselves. We see God brought about work. Work was not an unnecessary evil. It is part of God's design for you and I to shape the planet. We discover salvation. There's a promise that a Savior will come from the woman. We discover the flood where God destroyed the earth and started over with Noah, a new beginning. We discover judgment. We discover agriculture. We discover the origin of nations, and we discover the truth and character and nature of God. Now last time we started uh, we finished off we looked at the flood and we looked at the tower of babel we discovered the origin of nations and we spent a lot of time on that today we are going to be looking at the life of Abram his name Abram means exalted father and from 11 into 12 we'll deal with it this week and next week we see Abram or Abraham as he became known in Genesis 17 father of many nations We'll read about his life. 14 of the 50 chapters of Genesis is devoted to Abraham, so he's an important figure. When 28% of a book is devoted to someone, we better pay attention. Can you say amen? And he's mentioned numerous times in the Old Testament, and especially again in the New Testament, quoted by Jesus and the writers of the letters, including Paul. And so today we're going to start with Abraham from Genesis 11. We're going to trace his roots, and we're going to look at a genealogy. Now, I know when you get up in the morning, and you look at a genealogy, and you begin to read, and so-and-so begat, so-and-so begat, so-and-so, and -and and then you feel an overwhelming tiredness come upon you. You start yawning. You might even knock your coffee over or fall asleep, because you have no idea why, but we're going to discover something very important As we look at this genealogy, we'll discover that it's not a fable, but a highly detailed account for one very specific reason. And so we pick up in Genesis 11 and verse 10. If you're looking in your book today and making notes, you can follow along. It says, this is the account of Shem's family line. Noah had sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And Shem is from where we get the Semites, the Jewish people, and it's the righteous line of Noah after the flood. And here the Bible traces all his descendants. You'll notice a lot of detail. Two years after the flood, when Shem was 100 years old, he became the father of Ophaxad. Never heard anyone call that name. And after he became father of Ophaxad, Shem lived 500 years and had other sons and daughters. When Ophaxad had lived 35 years, he became the father of Shelah. So it shows you, after 35 years, Marriage can still be quite intimate. (laughs) Just for those that have been married a longer time, just pause there and uh, just let you be reminded, you know, people tell me I've been married for 10 years and it's boring. Make it exciting. (laughs) Verse 13. After he became the father of Shelah, Shelah lived four hundred and three years and had other sons and daughters. And when Shelah lived thirty years, he became the father of Eber. And after he became the father of Eber, Shelah lived four hundred and three years and had other sons and daughters. And when Eber had lived thirty-four years, he became the father of Peleg. And after he became the father of Peleg, Eber lived four hundred and thirty years and had other sons and daughters. Can you see how detailed this is? How many of you know if you were writing just a story, you just mention a list of names, wouldn't you? You just mention a string of names, and so-and-so had so-and-so, and then, you know, they had two more kids, then they had another five kids, and then they had so-and-so, and then the, the Bible here is telling you the history of the world, because it's pointing to something extremely important. Let's keep reading. When Peleg had lived 30 years, he became the father of Riu, and after he became the father of Riu, Peleg lived 209 years, and had other sons and daughters, and when Ryu had lived 32 years, he became the father of Serug, and after he became the father of Serug, Riu lived 207 years, and had other sons and daughters. When Sereg lived 30 years, he became the father of Nahor. And after he became the father of Nahor, Sereg lived 200 years and had other sons and daughters. And when Nahor had lived 29 years, he became the father of Terah. Now it starts to get interesting. After he became the father of Terah, Nahor lived 119 years and had other sons and daughters. And now you start to see a bit more detail. You all with me? After Terah had lived 70 years, He became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran, three brothers. This is the account of Terah's family line. Now we start to see the detail here. Terah is the ninth from Noah. Abram would be the tenth from Noah. Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. See, it's repeated because it's very important, not because he's tired or he's had something to drink before he wrote. He's trying to get your attention to pay attention to the detail here. And Haran became the father of Lot. So Abram's brother had a son called Lot, which was Abraham's nephew. While the father, his father was, Terah was still alive, Haran died. So Abram's brother died in Ur of the Chaldeans. That's southern Iraq, Babylon area. And it says here, in the land of his birth. Abram and Nahor both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. She was the daughter of Aran. So Abram's brother had a daughter, and the other brother married her. That's what happened before the Lord forbid it in the law. The father of both Milcah and Exer. Now, Sarai is very important. Sarah was childless because she was not able to. Conceive. Can you see here the Bible highlights something? Because it's about to show you the miracle working power of God. Do you know that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob all had wives that were barren? Isaac had Rebekah and Jacob had Rachel. And the Bible's showing that whenever someone's barren or unfruitful, it doesn't matter, because if God's involved, he will bring from them great nations. And so, you see, it details the, the whole thing because now I still need to expand it. And it says, You see, this is the working, the, work, the miraculous working of God in her life. Uh, Terah took his son Abram, notice this, his grandson Lot, son of Aran, and his daughter in law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. If you're making notes, underline Canaan because here we can already see that he's, Abraham's father knew that they should go to Canaan. Why? I believe God must have spoken to them. It doesn't say so in the text, but it's clear God is instructing them. And you'll see later, I'll explain it. But notice what the next verse says. But, but, there's always a but when God calls you. But when they came to Iran, they settled there. They did 600 kilometers and then they, they stopped short of Canaan. Terah lived 205 years and he died in Haran. Very interesting, when God calls you, you've got to be careful that you don't stop short because of tragedy in your life. When their brother or Abram's brother died, the father was grieving. He had made a plan to follow the call of God, but then when the grief came, he stopped. Do you know that on the journey of faith, we will have many tragedies? Things will go wrong. You will miscarry. You will have a child. Maybe it will die in early age. Maybe you will lose a child in the prime of life in their thirties. These are terrible tragedies. We lost a grandson who drowned at three years old. But we continue on our journey with God and we fulfill his call despite the challenges of life. We don't settle and become cynical. Are you with me? We follow God. Now, why is all this detailed mentioned? Why is this whole genealogy there? It's very, very important that you understand that the Bible here is pointing the way by showing you where the Lord Jesus Christ came from because he was a descendant of Abraham. And so the Bible here in detail is pointing to the new beginning of Abraham. He's also pointing to the new beginning, which will be the church through the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll notice here in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 1, This is speaking now about Jesus, and it says this is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, thus there were 14 generations in all, from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. Here, it already is traced the line of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God called Abraham to make a new beginning with him, to build a new nation through him, and also to point to the new nation that would be the church. And I'll unpack it as we go along and explain it. Abraham is 75 years old when God calls him, and that tells me it's never too late to begin something new. It's never too late to get saved. It's never too late to start a business. It's never too late to have children. As long as you don't take them out, which is what he did. Moses started at 80 to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. And so here we see this father of many nations, Abraham, who is the leader of the three monotheistic uh, religions in the world, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. And we see him as a figurehead in the New Testament. Notice here with me, stay with me here, Romans 4 and verse 16. It speaks, that, it speaks of Abraham as being our father. It says to those who have the faith of Abraham... He is the father of us all. So if we believe Jesus and follow Jesus, that's what Abraham did. He believed God and followed God. He is a father of our faith. Romans chapter 9, Paul speaking about the Jews, he says, My heart is filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief for my people, my Jewish brothers and sisters. Talking about them as natural, you know, natural race. He says, they are the people of Israel, chosen to be God's adopted children. God revealed his glory to them. He made covenants with them and gave them his law. He gave them the privilege of worshiping him and receiving his wonderful promises. Abram, Isaac, and Jacob are their ancestors. And then he says, and Christ himself was an Israelite as far as his human nature is concerned. Very interesting thing. Why is Abraham the father of our faith? And why does it point to the Lord Jesus Christ? It's because when when Adam and Eve sinned, remember the Lord said, from the seed of the woman would come a savior. And he would crush the devil's head. Already in the book of Genesis, Abraham is being prepared. And it's like a picture of the gospel. Because what Abraham did was he simply believed God. God called him. He didn't argue. He believed God. And as a result of faith, he found favor. Are you with me? Look at your neighbor and say, faith and favor. That's exactly what you and I get. When we come to Jesus Christ, it's not works and favor, it's faith. We trust God for eternal life, and what do we get? Favor, forgiveness. We become friends of God. Are you with me? And so here it's pointing to that. It's pointing to this type and this picture, and it's showing that Abraham was chosen. He didn't earn it in the same way we choose God and we follow him, Uh, God chooses us rather and we follow him, we don't earn it. Notice what it says in James. James says here, and the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. God chose him, he trusted God and he received faith. Are you with me? That's the Christian life. Christian life is exactly like this. Now, we move on from here, and we come to Genesis 12 in a moment, where God makes promises to Abraham, promises him that he will become a great nation, that he will be blessed. In Genesis 15, God expands on it, and we don't have time to read that. And he talks about how they will be slaves for 400 years, then they will go from there, and they will become a great nation. They'll become significant in the world, and God makes a covenant with Abraham And we're going to unpack that covenant in just a moment. But let me just explain this to you, because many people don't know this. There are five covenants or agreements in the Bible that God made with us, and we need to know them. The first one here is what we're about to read. It's called, uh, sorry, the, the second one we're about to read. The first one is the Noadic covenant. God made a covenant with Noah. Remember, he made an agreement with him, I'll never flood the earth, and as long as the earth remains, there'll be sea time and harvest, summer and winter, cold and heat, and uh, you can plant crops, and you don't have to worry about global warming, the planet will continue to be sustained. And if you drive a V8, don't worry, you won't die. (laughs) And you know, I always lead by example. (laughs) I drive a V8, because I'm not paranoid about the planet. I believe the Bible. Now, I'm not doing that to be rebellious. I just live in the freedom of knowing what God has covenanted with us about. Do I care about pollution? Of course I do. Do I care about uh, uh, gases? Of course I do. That's why I've got a catalytic converter in my car. Secondly is what we call the Abrahamic covenant. You with me if you're making notes this morning? Then thirdly, we get the third covenant, which is called the Mosaic covenant. God made a covenant with Moses and the law. If your people obey me, And serve me, then they'll be blessed. If they disobey, they'll be cursed. That's the Mosaic covenant. Then we get what's called the Davidic covenant. God made a covenant with David and his house. And from David's line, from Abraham's line, David's line came the Lord Jesus. But then lastly, we get what's called the new covenant through Jesus. Are you with me? And all those covenants are quite similar because the Abrahamic covenant is this. Abraham, if you believe me and you follow me, it's credited to you as righteousness and you'll get favor. How many of you know that's exactly the same as the new covenant under Jesus? If you believe me and you follow me, it will be credited to you and you'll receive favor. You see how simple the Bible is? And so these covenants are very important. These are agreements God has made. And we see now in Genesis 12, we'll unpack it and I'll look at it line by line. Are you ready? And we see this new nation that God is about to make. Genesis 12 and verse 1. The Lord had said to Abram. I want you to underline that if you're making notes. Because God had spoken to his father, they'd started on the journey, but they got stuck at Iran. Now, God repeats it. His call comes to Abram. God had said to Abram, notice, go from your country, your people, and your father's house to the land I will show you. Notice, go from to. You cannot get to unless you go from. If you're going to be a Christian, You've got to go from your family of origin, and you've got to go to your family of choice, which is the church. A lot of people want to serve Jesus and become part of the church, but they don't want to let go of their friends in the world and different values. No, the church and the world are not mixed together. You go from in order to get to. And you'll notice it says, leave your country, leave your family, your people, and your father's household, and go to a land I'll show you. I will make you into a great nation. Now, initially, he's talking about Israel, but he's actually talking about the church later on. He says, I will bless you, and I'll make your name great. Opposite to the Tower of Babel, where they wanted to be great, God says, when it's my initiative and you trust me, I'll make you great. Also, do you notice he says, I will bless you. How many of you heard lately, in in, watching online and in in blogs, that that they, they like to attack large churches because we are prosperity cults? the Bible says that we will be blessed. If we follow the Lord and trust him, favor comes. If you're not experiencing favor, it could be because you're not walking with the Lord and operating the way you should in the wisdom of the word. It's not just because you believe in Jesus, it's also the wisdom of the word that's got to come into your life. If you spend more than you get, you can can be saved twice baptized and three times filled with the Holy Spirit, you'll still be in debt. You could use the wisdom of the word. Are you with me? So I'm just emphasizing that today. Let me move on. He says here, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. In other words, if people attack the Jewish nation, God's going to deal with them. Also, if they attack the church, watch out if you attack the church. It's, it's like attacking the bride of Christ. It's like sitting in a meeting, uh, in a wedding, and the bride walks in and you go, oh, I don't like that dress. There's a dirty mark on it. Who chose those shoes? And who did her makeup?" I mean, you don't go to a wedding like that. You clap, you cheer, you rejoice. It's their choice. You celebrate. Because the groom is happy, you be happy. But be careful if you criticize the church. I haven't been involved in two church splits where pastors divided the church, damaged the church. When I came to Santon, the pastor here damaged the church, took the people to beclou, built a building there, then went and lived in England, tried to find his way. Today's not in the ministry. You've got to be careful when you attack and play with God's church. I've been a defender of God's church. Don't just criticize when you walk out the doors and say what you like. If it's a sin matter, bring it to our attention. If it's not, keep quiet. Do not have pastor and church for lunch. Thank you for clapping. Some of you were forced to clap. Now watch. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples, all the races, all the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham went, as the Lord had told him, but watch, and Lot went with him. I thought the Lord told him to leave his country and his kindred. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Iran. He took his wife, Sarai, his nephew, Lot, and all the possessions they had accumulated and all the people they'd acquired in Iran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there let's have just a look here at this let me break this down and unpack it a little bit more firstly let's look at leave your country and your people and your father's house you see in order to get to something you have to go from something even as a Christian we understand that but Abraham took Lot with him why he wasn't nervous he wasn't insecure he took Lot with because his brother died and he felt responsible for Lot but in the end look what happened to Lot Lot caused him trouble Lot's herdsmen start fighting with Abraham's herdsmen. You can read it in the book of Genesis. Eventually, Lot gets captured because he's near Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham has to send his 318 trained men and rescue him. Then later, when Lot is in Sodom and Gomorrah, the angel has to come and rescue him. You've got to be very careful that you don't allow sentiment to cloud your judgment when you're serving God. You have to go from if you want to get to. And when God calls you, you have to leave a lot of things behind. We, to fulfill the call of God on our lives, have had to leave some of our best friends behind. We've had to say goodbye to them and move forward because we couldn't take them with us into the things God had for us. And so God here wants to start a new nation under Abraham, and he wants to start a new nation, the church, under us. And you'll see Abraham's attitude here, because I want you to see this man, this powerful man who we refer to so much. Hebrews 11 and verse 8, it says, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, he obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. How would you like to go somewhere? You ask God, where are we going? He says, I'll tell you later. You know what we want? We want God to go every step of the way. Lord, it looks dangerous. Should I go? Amen, my child, I'm right here. Okay, Lord. Should I get married, Lord? Yes, this one's a good one. It's a keeper. And that's how we want to make our journey. The Bible says Abram didn't even know where he was going. He fully trusted God. Now, listen to me today. We, we have people that are deconstruct. I read the Bible, and it contradicts. And, you know, the Scripture, and do you believe in creation? I believe in evolution. And we have this whole Bible, and then we still can't believe. Abram had a few words from God, and he trusted. Come on now. Let's get over ourselves. Let's take God's word and let's digest it and believe it and walk on it. Can you say amen? And it goes on to say, By faith he made his home in the promised land. Like a stranger in a foreign country, he lived in tents as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. In other words, he saw, kind of saw heaven. And by faith, even Sarah who was past childbearing age, was unable to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead because he was 100 years old, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. You see, it seems like things are over, but all Abram does is he believes God and he goes with God. The second thing is the Lord promised to make him into a great nation. Now, we do believe that this is referring, firstly, to the nation of Israel, an amazing nation. Did you know that the Jews have had a very big impact on the world? But currently, there are only 15.3 million Jews in the whole world. Yet you would think there were more. In South Africa, we only have 52,300 Jewish people in the whole of our country. But it seems like we've got more because God has made them great influences Pro rata, they're more scientists and leaders and business people amongst Jewish people have always been a threat, but God promised Abraham that he would make the Jews great, and although they've been persecuted, God has clearly favored them, and, uh, you know, the persecution has been great. Six out of ten people in, during World War II, six out of ten Jews were murdered by the Nazi regime, yet they have continued to thrive, and it's as though the devil has made it his business to kill Jewish people right from the book of Esther. Are you with me? In fact, I was reading uh, some interesting stats, which I'll give you in a moment. But the late Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, brilliant man. I've read a number of his books. He says this. He says, anti-Semitism is best understood as a virus. It has no logic. Jews were hated because they were rich and because they were poor, because they were capitalists and because they were communists because they held tenaciously to an ancient faith, and because they were rootless cosmopolitans believing nothing. Hate needs no logic. It is a sickness of the soul. We all know that the Jewish nation has been unreasonably persecuted in the world. And I was looking back over history, and just to give you a little brief summary here, in the first and second centuries, the Jews were so persecuted After Christianity was birthed, that 2 million of them fled to Babylon to make a new life. During the 5th and 6th centuries, that's way back, restrictions on holding office was placed on Jews. They couldn't hold important office, and thousands of them were killed. In the 6th century, 60,000 Jews were sold into slavery. Arabs were sold into slavery, but Jews particularly And only later were Africans sold into slavery. When one thinks of slavery, we immediately think of African people. In the 8th century, Spain persecuted the Jews avidly, and France burnt multitudes to death during the 8th century. In the Middle Ages, a badge of shame was worn by Jews on their clothing or on their sleeve way before the Second World War. When the Black Plague broke out in 1350, it was blamed on Jews, and half the Jews of Europe were murdered. In 1353, Jews were banished from France, Spain, and Portugal, and in 1411, the Roman Catholic Church instituted the Inquisition, and tens of thousands of Jews were killed. Primarily also, they were viewed as opposers of Christ, and anti-Christian, and so on. In 1492, It is recorded that Spain forced 800,000 Jews to walk into the sea. Multitudes, in fact, most of them drowned, and the others died of exposure. Imagine 800,000 people being driven into the sea. It's almost unnatural. In 1560, Germany banished Jews from Prague. No Jew was allowed to live in Prague. And in the 1800s, pogroms, which is a Russian word, meaning to wreak havoc and to attack violently, pogroms were instituted on Jewish people where they were attacked and beaten, and during the Russian czars, five million Jews were killed. Pogroms existed in Poland, Romania, Hungary, and in the Ukraine, and they continued all the way, obviously, until World War II. But here's an interesting thing. Straight after World War II, in 1946, they started persecuting Jews in Poland again, in a small town called Kielce, and uh, 42 Jews were attacked for no reason at all and were murdered straight after the Second World War. This, this led to all the immigration to America and to form the land of Israel. And so when the Lord said, I'd make a great nation of you, he also spoke of the fact that they would be slaves for 400 years, but that they would be persecuted. Do you know that when the American people were asked in 1938... They were polled by the Gallup Poll Company. They were asked, uh, it was two weeks after what's called Kristallnacht when they went through Germany and were were, were smashing shop windows and burning all the Jewish shops. The American people were asked, should we allow a larger number of Jewish exiles from Germany to come to the United States to live? 72% of the Americans said no. There's been this unnatural persecution, yet God has had a great plan for them. In 1948, a state was formed under Ben-Gurion, and, um, you know, you, you need to understand something about the nation of Israel. No nation in the world has its borders or its boundaries defined by God except Israel. So there's no historical dispute over the land of Israel. The Lord said to Abraham, The years are your boundaries. We don't have time to read it. He designated where the land should be. And it's funny how we like to go back to just, you know, we, we like history to rewind in South Africa, we like it to rewind up to colonial times. But we don't want to rewind it to when, when Shaka chased all the people to Zimbabwe. Now we'll just stop there. Come on now. Why don't we rewind it and get all those people to come back from Zimbabwe and reclaim their lands? No, we're very selective. And the same with the nation of Israel. We only want to rewind until the Arabs invaded. But what about when God gave it to Abraham? The only nation in the world where God has designated boundaries and borders. Food for thought. Not being political, just being biblical. And the Lord said this. He said, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. I wonder why, since democracy, we've been anti-Israel, and all our country has done has gone downhill. Could there be a spiritual reason? Food for thought. But Israel has been attacked and challenged throughout history. There's a large granite stone in a museum in Cairo. It's called the Meneptah Stell. And uh, it is a memorial stone of black granite with inscriptions on it by the son of Ramesses II. And there he lists all his conquests of all the peoples, and especially the Jews, and how he's conquered the Jews. And then the inscription at the end of this tablet, which stands in the museum, says this, Israel is annihilated. Israel is will have no posterity. But unfortunately, that is not true. Israel rose again, and the Jews rose up again, and the nation was formed. Paul Lee Tan, speaking of prophecy, says this, have you ever met a Babylonian, or a Hittite, or an Assyrian, or a Philistine, or an Amalekite? At one time, these were great nations. Today, they are extinct. The Jews exist today as a modern, independently recognized people with their own state in Palestine. It's very quiet in this church this morning. Are you hearing me? You see, church, modern history and modern behavior has to be interpreted by the whole Bible, not selected text and the changing times. That's why you must know, and that's why I have done the first 12 chapters of Genesis, not the first 11, because Abraham is the father of our faith. He's the father of the Lord Jesus Christ, And he's the picture of salvation, which we will look at in just a few moments. But the Lord said to you, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. I was reading that Spain endured economic and cultural decline after the expulsion of the Jews in 1492, and it took a long time for them to recover. During World War II, 7.5 million Germans were killed, and 2 million German women were raped when the Russians eventually invaded Germany, and Germany was a divided nation. The city of Berlin was divided in half for 44 years. Um, As soon as Israel proclaimed its independence in 1948 as a nation— It was attacked by these nations, Egypt, Jordan, Syria, Lebanon, and Saudi Arabia. Listen to this. Roughly 500,000 Jews were in the state of Israel, and they were surrounded by over 40 million Arabs who were determined, as they said, to drive the Jews into the sea. But between February the 24th and July the 20th of 1949, several unsuccessful Arab invasions of Israel occurred, eventually all Arab forces were defeated, and ceasefire agreements were signed. It's pretty miraculous. In 1967, when they had the Six-Day War, Israel was outnumbered 20 to 1, and they defeated their enemies. In 1973, when they had the Yom Kippur War, Israel was outnumbered 12 to 1, yet they defeated their enemies. How many of you know, those who curse you, I will curse. Those who bless you, I will bless. And I believe the same applies to the church. Now, why do I say the same applies to the church? Because we are like the new Israel. Are you with me? And that's why you've got to be very careful that you don't just speak about churches, even though churches fail, pastors fail. Have you noticed that pastors have committed adultery uh, 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 evangelists have stolen millions of dollars from the church. Some of you may remember Jimmy Swaggart. He was he was getting in donations 1 million dollars a day in donations and was sleeping with prostitutes. It came out in the news. Everyone turned against evangelists. There, there, there were scandals in every single newspaper. Everyone spoke about the church in a derogatory way. Every Great leader was suspect. But the church has bounced back from that and continued. And many evangelists have emerged and done great things for God. Many churches have seen their pastors commit adultery with a secretary or a staff member or someone outside and, 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 and lived contrary to, to, to what the Bible teaches. Many pastors have stolen money from church funds and used it for their own personal. Life. But yet the church continues not to die but to thrive and to bounce back. Why? Because God's got his hand on her and she is his agency in the earth. The Bible says this in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 15. Certainly, it doesn't matter whether a person is circumcised or not. Speaking about Jewish people. Rather, what matters is being a new creation, new beginnings. Peace and mercy will come to rest on all those who conform to this principle. They are the Israel of God. Can you see that we are now God's people from Abraham who by faith walk with the Lord? And serve him. And now God says to Abraham, as I pick up here, he says, and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. What does that mean? Does that mean that Jewish people will bless people? No. He's talking about the blessing that's going to come through the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to read to you here from Acts chapter 3, because now we begin to understand what God is talking about. Acts 3 and verse 25. Are you all with me? Peter here is preaching, and it says, He says, and you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, through your offspring, all peoples on earth will be blessed. Now he explains, when God raised up his servant, speaking of Jesus, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. The blessing God was speaking about was not material. He was saying one day there's going to come a savior. Through Abraham's line, and all the nations of the world will be able to believe in him, and they will be forgiven of their sins. And through faith, they, just like Abraham, will find favor, and they will find eternal life, not through works, but simply through believing. Are you with me? Galatians chapter 3 and verse 7 explains it, and, and we're nearly done. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Is this making sense? So that's why Abraham is so important, because God called him. He was a guy who made mistakes, and we'll look at that next week. There were some issues in his life, but he trusted God. He had faith, and he experienced favor. Are you with me? And because of that, the Bible says it was credited to him as righteous. Now, you and I, as Christians today, we are called by God to follow him. We believe in Jesus by faith, and we find favor and are given eternal life. I'm going to pray with you in a moment, but I want to read this because I want you to understand this as we pray. John chapter 5 and verse 24. You still good? Jesus speaking says this, Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word, in other words, my call, and believes him who sent me has eternal life. Not will have, has eternal life. And will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. He says if you hear the call and you believe, you have eternal life, and you're actually saved now, not you will be saved when you get to heaven. You say, well, how how can that be? We're so full of failure. God says, if you have faith, you receive favor. And he shows it in Abraham. He now shows it in Jesus. And all we need to do in order to be saved is to believe in Jesus, follow him, and we'll have the favor of God. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message.